lot fewer people today are even choosing marriage and a family. And those that do tend to settle down quite a bit later than they did in the past. And most people are still choosing to get married and have kids eventually, but the majority of Americans now believe that society might be just as well off when people don't. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. And I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. Come on in. So Julie, even though it's a psychology and social justice podcast, usually our main focus is on the social justice corner of that intersection. Oh, definitely true, Cindy. But today we want to focus a little more on the psychology part as we take a look at a slice of life for today's American family. You know, what is the status of the American family? Well, that's the big question. After all, our family is the most important social group that most of us are a part of. And if the family isn't intact and getting along relatively well, how can we hope for world peace among people who don't even know each other? Wow, good point. So listeners, we did a deep dive into some of the data around current family trends to see what's really going on. Here's what we found. There are a lot of interesting stats out there. I think we kind of already know there's no longer one main kind of family in the United States. Hasn't been for a long time now. Most American families these days aren't anything like the stereotypical nuclear family with a mom, a dad, two kids, and a dog. Right, according to Pew Research, the marriage rate is falling. Women are having fewer children, and many Americans, especially young adults, are rethinking what it means to be a family. Yeah. Over time, families have become smaller and more diverse. Interestingly, while interfaith marriages in the United States are rising, politically mixed marriages are still uncommon, which I think is kind of funny. Or maybe really sad. It depends how you think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. Family patterns are constantly changing, especially in response to new technology in communication and transportation, the changing economy and cultural attitudes. The family changes and adapts to the rest of the culture and values that we live around. So how we think about marriage and child rearing continues to change, too. In personal relationships, Americans prioritize their own personal preferences to a far greater extent than we used to. Right, Julie. For example, the trends for couples these days involve planning weddings that reflect their personal tastes and preferences more than their religious and traditional ceremonies. You know, parents used to be a larger part of planning weddings than they often are now. Back in the day, religion and family tradition usually took center stage. And of course, you know, there were a lot of family conflicts around the struggles between couples planning a wedding and all the parents and relatives and That probably contributed to the change. Definitely, I agree. I know I had a lot of friends expressing the desire to elope instead, and a couple of them did. It gets pretty dicey. 
Yes. It almost feels like a rite of passage to have like all sorts of family upheaval when you get married. But the importance of personal preferences also plays out in modern family life. A lot fewer people today are even choosing marriage in a family. And those that do tend to settle down quite a bit later than they did in the past. And most people are still choosing to get married and have kids eventually, but the majority of Americans now believe that society might be just as well off when people don't. Yeah, and I think that's true. One way American family life seems to have changed is how often and in what ways family members spend time together or even stick together. A generation ago, family meals were expected and routine. You know, family dinner time. Less than half of millennials and Gen Z people report growing up with family meals every day. I was really surprised about that stat. You mean how many people never had family dinners as a child? Yeah. Rarely had family dinners as a child. Exactly. Yeah. So now, basically, weekly dinners with parents aren't considered an obligation like they were a generation ago. A lot of people aren't even close enough to have weekly family dinners. That's true. And a really important point. People move away. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that continues to remain stable, while it's also gone through a lot of changes in some ways, is the role and responsibilities of women, specifically moms. Right. Women everywhere are basically responsible for maintaining the emotional health in whatever space they occupy, that is at work or at home, and in all of their relationships with friends, family, coworkers. Not surprising, is it? No. Moms, in particular, are held accountable for all things having to do with emotions and relationships in their family and are often expected to know what their spouse and children need most of the time. Now, I got to say, women are amazing, and a lot of the time they really do understand things their family members don't even understand about themselves, maybe, but they still can't read minds, and that apparently is part of the job description sometimes. Well, I think family members expect it, yes. And yes, women are amazing. <laughs> and all of this, while, of course, women continue to hold full or part-time jobs outside the home, continue to take on the majority of the household labor, including taking care of both home and children, and oftentimes caregiving aging parents. Mothers are still more involved than fathers in taking care of their children's health, and education, and basically overall well-being. Mm -hmm. To be fair, dads do take on a lot more of these responsibilities than ever, though when it comes to providing personal and emotional support, no person is more important than moms. That's right. <laughs> if I must say. More data from the Pew Research on the American yeah. Family Today shows that who Americans first turn to when they experience a problem growing up, it does vary along lines of race and ethnicity, gender, and religion. And it shows that in many families, mothers remain the most important source of personal and emotional support. Black men are reported to be more likely to turn to their mothers for help during their formative years than any other group, although this also varies across cultures. Right. For Black and Hispanic women, siblings, especially sisters, seem to be the most important connection. And with Asian Americans, it's been reported that they are most likely to lean on a close friend. And regardless, it's pretty much the norm that families carry emotional baggage. Really? <laughs> <laughs> 
Of course they do. Families are made up of people and everybody has something going on. So-called normal isn't all it's cracked up to be. Sometimes we live based on what we, or even more so what we think others think our lives should look like. That's true. And I really like to avoid the word normal. I definitely don't aspire to normal. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> our, our kids come to us when they need emotional support. They also seek out other relationships that may give them emotional support around family life. You know, the people they need to talk to when they need to talk about us, which of course, you know, that's fine. That happens. <laughs> We're not perfect, us moms. A lot of times it's siblings that they talk to, but sometimes they need a place that they can talk about their siblings too. For sure. Parents are usually there for their children when they need us and there for them when they don't want us around, no matter what their age. We make ourselves available or we stay away as they need. We often keep our own needs and wants to ourselves rather than upsetting the sometimes precarious relationships in the family. We love our offspring even when their behavior and choices seem unfair or even painful. Yeah. Parents generally try to teach their kids well and then hope that they continue to make good choices as they grow into adulthood. Sometimes they do, and sometimes not so much. Either way, parental love for their children doesn't change, but our concerns for our kids may seriously ebb and flow and lead to plenty of sleepless nights and worry. Indeed. Parents, especially moms, want everyone to get along and do their best to make that happen. Yeah, knowing that we can't be all things to all people, not even our children. Our goal should be and is to raise them to live independently eventually and to teach them how to find the resources that they need. And of course, most of us also stay close enough to be available as one of their primary resources. Most parents expect or want a warm and close relationship with their adult children. Of course they do. And appropriate boundaries are a necessity in those relationships, especially when there are spouses of the adult children and they have their own families. The challenge is to respect those boundaries while remaining available and assuring your adult children that you love them no matter what. Of course. And still, sometimes the relationship you expected or hoped for can't be realized for whatever reason. And there are many. Yeah, like sometimes addiction or abuse or mental health struggles on the part of the parent is involved. And sometimes addiction or abuse or mental health struggles surface on the part of the adult children or child or the spouse. There are a lot of scenarios that can be really challenging to family relationships. And when things don't turn out as hoped, moms blame themselves the most. Society also teaches us to assume that if something went amiss in the family, the parents must have done something horribly wrong, especially the mom, but think about it. Everybody makes a ton of mistakes and the result is very different for different people. Most adults aren't defined by their parents' mistakes and neither are the parents. The issues are complicated. Yeah, and it's really easy to blame someone else and not take a look at yourself. So I think it's sort of a cultural thing that lots of people blame the mom. <laughs> When you grow up, then you are responsible for yourself and your behaviors and needs, no matter what parenting situation you came out of. Regardless, 
A lot of parents still blame themselves and assume most of the responsibility for any tension or difficulties that happen in their relationship with an adult child. It's their fault, even though that is probably not fair and likely not to be accurate. No parent or child, actually nobody, is perfect. Nobody's life is perfect. We all make tons of mistakes and deal with hardships along the way. If we know we're doing the best we can, acting out of love and kindness in our heart, there's not much more that people can expect from us but to be the best we can be at any point. So if your children are adults now, they get to make their own decisions about what they need, even if you think it's the wrong decision. Exactly. Your and their best really is good enough, even if everyone isn't happy about it. And obviously, we're going to tell you that therapy can help along the way. We're psychologists. <laughs> That's what we do. We tell people that. <laughs> Talking and being vulnerable with one another is a really important part of the growing process in your family. Yeah, that's why we tell people that, because it's true. Sometimes it's helpful to have a neutral third person to help work out the boundaries that work for everyone and let understanding evolve about what works best for everyone involved. And as the American family continues to evolve and grow in all sorts of ways, and as we head into the future, it is really important for all of us to change and grow with it. Just be careful not to hold yourself or your children to some old standards or to judge them for embracing their individuality in ways that we may not have been permitted back when we were young people. A couple years ago. Yeah. Sometimes we don't understand the choices our kids make, especially when they're nothing like our own. Whatever kind of family life you chose to create, supporting others, especially your own family members in their choices surrounding marriage and family life and their relationships, including how they choose to relate to you, as long as it's respectful when they do, will help you and your family as all of you continue to change and grow. And remember this, life is short. You never know what's gonna happen. Try to make it as happy, compassionate, caring, accepting, and overall positive as you possibly can. If you're interested in the data and statistics about the family right now, you can find all of the above and more at pewresearch.org. And if you need help processing some family matters, consider reaching out to a family therapist. Thanks for listening today. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at shrinksonthird. Until next time, take care.